this is Steve with Life Worth Living. How can you drive evil out of your life or drive evil out of the life of someone you love and care about? There's some pretty clear steps outlined in the Bible for how you can do this. Call it a biblical tutorial of how to gain spiritual victory. I've been personally applying these principles that I'm going to share with you. And you know what I have found? They actually work. I am super excited to share these with you and look forward to you gaining your own spiritual victory over the evil that you face and even gain victory over the evil that those that you care about face as well. This is going to be just kind of stream of consciousness, what I'm saying, just kind of flow. So flow with me if you don't mind. There's not, you know, five points to succeeding here or six points to spiritual victories, none of that. <laughs> it's just, I'm just going to give you what I see in the Bible. If you want to slip your masks down, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, Revelation, Revelations 12, 11 is a verse that if, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this verse, probably more than one time, but it says they triumphed, oh, uh, they triumphed over him, over the beast, over the enemy. It's also, it's referring to us as Christians. Uh, Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And I'm not going to cover too much about that verse except to say this, that God wants you to triumph in this lifetime. It says they triumphed. By the time they got to heaven, they triumphed. God wants you to triumph now so that when you get to heaven, you're already triumphant. I think, I hope, I pray, and I don't know, I've never been to heaven, so I don't know what this is like, but I pray that when I die, heaven is just one little step from this life into the next life, and I'm living so close to God. His presence is so strong in my life that now I'm not there yet. Believe me, I'm just saying I want to be there, <laughs> that when I pass on, it's just one little step. That's probably... That's probably a stretch because heaven is so great, so wonderful, so amazing. I can't wait for God's appearing. I'm, I, the, the Bible talks about this, that we desire God's appearing. We want his appearing. So we're going to talk about spiritual victory, the spiritual victory you can have this week. This isn't something for next month, next year. This is now. You can have spiritual victory right here, right now. So flow with me, all right? This is me and my devotions. I just followed my devotion and typed it up so that I could talk about it a little bit, all right? This is just as I'm listen, you know, talking to the Lord and reading the Bible, I'm learning these things. So I, I'm, I'm going to skip around into a bunch of scriptures, but here's the first one. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. Listen to these words, and if you have it there, read along with me. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Okay? What does that mean? We don't fight the way other people fight. If somebody makes you mad, you don't, it's not eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. We don't fight that way. We fight in a different way. We don't fight the way the world fights, but we do fight. We do battle. We're not, people have missed misunderstood that that verse that says hey if somebody slaps you in the face turn the cheek you know they knock you in the head turn around and let them knock you in the back too you know we're not wimps we're not we're just we're not sitting around waiting to be beat up no we're we're there to take it to the enemy 
We're there to, to, to win. And so it says, we don't fight the way the world fights. In other words, when you have a thought come into your mind, an evil thought, a negative thought, a lustful thought, whatever it is, it comes in your mind, you don't fight that thought. You fight against the source of the thought. You start fighting the enemy, not the thought itself, not the temptation itself. We talked a little bit about that this morning. If you have a feeling, well, so what? We all have feelings. You don't just accept that feeling of depression or that feeling of, of self-hate or whatever, angry feeling. It's just a feeling. Fight the enemy who brought you that feeling. Say, I'm not going to put up with you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to put up. We don't fight the way the world fights. Amen? So let's read on. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We don't manipulate people to get to them to do what, what we want them to do. We don't do those types of things. On the contrary, these weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And I want you to get those words, those two words, put them in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to those two words here in just a, just a few minutes. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And what kind of strongholds? Arguments. Have you ever had arguments in your mind? Ration, rational thinking that somehow puts Jesus into left field or in a box or even claims that he doesn't exist. Arguments. Arguments in your mind. Arguing back and forth so that you can't sleep at night. You can't think straight. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, and we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. I have read these scriptures. Have you ever read these scriptures before? Have you heard them? All right. These are aggravating scriptures to me. <laughs> they aggravate me. And I finally was able to explain to myself why they frustrate me is because these verses don't tell me uh, how to do these things. They just tell me what to do, but I don't understand how to do this. What? How do you take captive every thought and make it obedient to, to Christ? How do you demolish a stronghold? How do you fight an argument? How do you do it? These scriptures don't tell us how to do that. And so if you read them, it's good, and you're like, yeah, let's do it, but how? Tell me how. And so what I'd like to do is get into the how tonight because, man, God has given me some scriptures that show how to demolish strongholds, how to take captive every thought and make it obedient. The good news, I've actually been putting this into practice, and it works. It works. There's nothing worse to me than theory that doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it sounds good, but how do you do that? And, and have you ever tried this? No, but it sounds good. No, no, no. We want practical ways, spiritual ways of doing things. So turn with me, if you would, if you want to look in Luke 11, verses 20 through 22. Luke chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. And look at this. In, in three short verses, we get a lot of insight into how to demolish strongholds. Man, getting excited about this. Here it goes. Luke 11, verses 20 through 22. Jesus is speaking to some Pharisees who are claiming that he is casting out demons through satanic power, and, and they're uh, associating the work of God with that of Satan. This is incredible. Here's Jesus' response to those religious folks. He says, But if I drive out demons with a finger of God, then the kingdom has come upon you. 
man, when I was reading this in my devotion, just picture me, I'm like 7 o'clock, maybe 6.30 in the morning. I'm halfway awake, and I'm reading the Bible, and then I read this, and I come wide awake. The finger of God driving out demons. All right, and we're not talking about this finger, the index finger, or a stronger finger, the thumb. No, the pinky of God driving out demonic power. Did you know that all the evil in the world put together, all the evil power in this world, God with his pinky can drive it out. The finger of God drives out evil. That's the power of God. But here's another thought as I was coming awake and I was, wow, this is good stuff right into my journal. Then I thought, you know what? The other thing is when God points his finger, stuff happens. <laughs> the authority of God. He points at someone's life and says, you're going to be free from now on. The power of God. And you know what? We're going to get into this a little bit more. When God points his finger at something, you know what he's waiting for you and I to do? For us to point our finger at that same thing. And when somehow, some way, the way God works, he says we're co-laborers with God, that we work with God. When God says, I want that person to be healed, and then a man or a woman of God points their finger at that person and says, God wants you to be healed. The, the, the parallel finger pointing <laughs> from God, that person gets healed. That person gets delivered. That person gets saved. God's waiting for you to start watching and looking at him and seeing, God, where are you pointing? The finger of God is going to do something powerful today. Praise God. Let's read on, though. All right, we still haven't gotten into the practical piece. Here goes the practical piece, verse 21 of Luke 11. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger than the strong man, stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which that man trusted, he divides up the plunder. All right, there in three verbs is the way to demolish a stronghold. Three verbs, there it is. This is how a, a stronghold is demolished. First of all, you attack. You attack spiritually. You start coming against what the devil has done. You start resisting the enemy as uh, J James 4, 6 or 7 says, I think it's 7. You start resisting the enemy. You start saying, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I've had it up to here with this silliness that's going on, this temptation, these negative thoughts, these depressing thoughts, this fear, this worry, these panic attacks. And I'm, I've had it with it. I'm coming against the enemy. I've had it. I'm attacking what does it take for a Christian to start attacking evil in the spiritual realm? What is it going to take for you and me to stand up and start attacking? But let's, let's, before we get into this, let's look at this. The strong man represents a demonic power, a spiritual force. A strong man is fully armed. He guards his own house, in other words, people, his own possessions. Have you ever heard of demonic possession? He's possessing in other words he's owning someone he's taking control of somebody he guards them and it says here that those possessions are safe why are they safe because nobody's attacking the strong man and and that word safe literally means peace he's at peace everything's fine he's got his possessions no one's trying to take his possessions away from him. but when a christian man a christian woman starts making war against that strong man he quits having peace 
He quits having peace. His realm starts getting thrown into chaos, starts getting thrown into confusion. And you know what an enemy power starts doing? He starts putting up his defenses and making the walls around him look really high to you and me. When you start praying and it starts seeming impossible, have you ever done that? You're praying for something and all of a sudden it just seems impossible. That means the enemy's on his defense. He's setting up his defenses. And that means you're in the right, you're going in the right direction. You're attacking and he's starting to put his defenses up. You know why? And so I learned this from Sarah, something that she read. You know, the enemy is frightened by your faith. The enemy is frightened by your faith. When those spies went into Jericho, they found out that Jericho was scared of Joshua and was scared of these 2 million, 2 million, 2.5 million Israelites. They were scared. The enemy is scared of you. Did you know that? He is terrified of your faith. And so uh, the strong man, when he starts getting thrown into chaos, he starts putting up his defenses. But it says in verse 22, when someone stronger than the strong man. You're stronger with Jesus in your life, not just a human being, not in just any, with Jesus in your life, you are stronger than any demonic spiritual force that's out there. You are absolutely stronger. Uh, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's the truth. Alex is stronger than Satan himself. Praise God. It doesn't matter. You can be, in fact, the smaller you are, the stronger you are. Because <laughs> when we're weak, that's when we're strong. Because then the Holy Spirit's power comes into that humble vessel. You're strong. And you're stronger than the strong man. Praise God, man. That got me so excited as I was reading that. So you're stronger. You attack. You overpower him. You take away his armor. We're going to get into these just really quick. But let me ask you a question. Why don't you and I, why don't we attack the enemy more often? In fact, be, let's just open it up. Why, why do you guys think we don't attack the enemy that we should as often as we should? Any ideas? What? Fear of failure. What if I attack and it doesn't work? All right, Brother Jimmy, what do you think? Fear. That's right. Fear keeps us from, from attacking the enemy. All right, any other ideas? Yeah, Miwa? Yeah, and his lies sometimes leads us to believe, well, maybe that's not the enemy, so maybe I'm not attacking the thing that I should. So his lies can throw us off from attacking. That's true. Any other ideas? Yes, sir. We're just plain old spiritually lazy. That's exactly right, man. Vince, that's ex that's right on. Delilah, were you going to say something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget. This is so funny. There's this young young guy who was starting to be a preacher. He got up, man. He was he was talking bad about the devil. The devil this, the the, the devil that. And you could see as he was up there, he was starting to get scared. <laughs> <laughs> and he started backing down a little bit, like, oh, maybe he retaliated. You know what? We need to get, get a belly full of the enemy and say, it's either him or it's me. And you know what? It's not going to be me. And so I'm going after the enemy until the last breath of my life. I'm going to attack him. I'm going to attack him, and I'm going to take him down. There's no demilitarized zone between you and the enemy. 
If you try to make a truce with the enemy and say, okay, I'm pushing this far, but don't you come, he will always intrude into your territory. He will always steal, kill, and destroy. That's all the enemy wants to do. But you know what? You know why Jesus appeared? To destroy all the works of the devil. To destroy all the works of the devil. It's time for us as Christians, like Vince said, it's time for us as Christians to stand up and say, I'm, I've had it. I'm done with this. But that's why we, those are some really valid, excellent reasons, not good reasons, but truthful reasons of why we don't attack the enemy, okay? So here's the second verb, overpower. Why can't we overpower? If, if God is in us and he's greater than he that's in the world, why can't we seem to overpower the enemy in our lives? Give me some ideas. Give me some thoughts. Why can't we seem to actually, the Bible talks a good word, but why, does it, why don't we see it happening? Sarah. Okay, maybe we're trying to do it in our own strength. Yeah, Henry. That's right. That's exactly right. Maybe we're not doing the fundamentals that we need to be doing to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Brother Jimmy. Amen. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right, Mama. We look at the problem instead of looking at the verse that will give us hope that God will do it. That's right. If we just look at God's word, then it and that that causes us to believe. Yeah. Okay, my mom said that man, I tell you what, that's right on. <laughs> We look at the problem and we get so overwhelmed by the impossibility that we never can actually overpower it. If Joshua had walked around those walls just staring at the walls, how is this going to happen? He would have never he would have never been victorious. You literally as a Christian, you can have the rest of your life and never be victorious. Victory isn't going to happen by itself, man. God says, "You know what?" It'll be done according to you. Jesus said this. It'll be done according to you, according to your faith. And faith is something that gets up and goes. It marches on. It goes. But Joshua wasn't there staring at the walls. What was he doing? He was, they were praising the Lord. They were taking the presence of God around their impossibility. And we're going to talk more about that. So stop looking at your problem and start looking at Jesus. That's why, what is it, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's the one that's going to knock down the wall. You're not. You're not. So that's that's good. Any other thoughts? Why we don't overpower? Yeah, Jimmy, Brother Jimmy. Yes. Amen. It goes back kind of to prayer, to using the word, man, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Vince. Yeah. Yeah. What if we cooperated with God? What if we co-labor with God? What if, and I agree with you, in fact, I think that's the whole gist of this message is it's up to you and me in some respects. God's out there. He says he's a man of war. The Bible, Tina shared several verses with me. Uh, God is referred to as a man of war. 
<laughs> He's out there fighting the battles. Where are we at? Where are we at? We need to join him in these battles. Fight with God. Point the finger, and I'm not talking the, the finger. <laughs> Point the finger, all right, that God's pointing and saying, I'm pointing the finger at you and start collaborating with God. So let's move. Great thoughts. I, in fact, I think you mentioned all the things that, that I was thinking here. Here's the last question before we move into a couple of other thoughts. Before we worship the Lord and go into battle, are you ready to go into battle tonight? You ready to practice what we're preaching? Praise God. Uh, and this is the, the third thing. He strips this, this stronger man, strips the armor off the enemy, takes his weapon away from him. And I want to ask a question, but not to be answered quite yet. What is the armor of the enemy that needs to be stripped off of him? What are those walls of Jericho? What, what is that tangibly? What is it practically speaking so that we can know when it comes time to strip it off the enemy? We know what it is. So just bear that in mind. I bet we have our opinions and thoughts about that. But let's read this just really quick. A stronger man has power, excuse me, the strong man has power and might. A, a demonic force has power, has strength, undeniable, all right? But someone stronger has something else. And what is that something else? Well, it's in Zechariah 4, 6. Um, he said to me, the, the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The, the enemy has power and strength, but you know what? We have the spirit of God that, I mean, takes care. Uh, it's in, in Romans 8. I can't remember which, which verse it says, if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. By the Spirit of God is how we overcome, we overpower. My power, the power of God in me, overpowers the lesser power of the devil. Wow. Praise God. We need to start exercising that, believing that, trusting, trusting in the Lord. All right. So um, let's, let's look. We've already talking, talked about attacking. Let's just talk about overpowering and that's that conquering. There was David, there was David, and he came against Goliath, and he overpowered the, the giant. And he said the same thing in essence. He said, you come against me with javelin and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. I think I quoted that exactly, which is shocking because I can't memorize anything. Um, all right. I, I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. What's the name that we can use that we know even more of than, than, than David did? What's the name? The name of Jesus. You can do this. When your temptations start coming against you, you can say, in the name of Jesus Almighty, I come against you, and your temptation will be gone like that. I've already tried it several times. Temptation came to me. A negative thought has come to me. Just in the previous, just the last few weeks, uh, a negative thought, an overwhelming, have you ever felt overwhelmed, completely overwhelmed by life? You say, you know what? In the name of Jesus Almighty, I'm coming against you. That overwhelming thought will subside just like that because you're attacking the enemy, not the thought. Use the name of Jesus to rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. Praise God. It was in Zechariah, I think, and I can't remember where the scripture was exactly, uh, but one of the, the prophet or the king, that wasn't, couldn't have been the king, but the prophet said, the Lord rebuke you. <laughs> the Lord rebuke you. That was before Jesus came 
And Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Now you can rebuke the enemy yourself. We don't have to say, just like Vince was saying, come on, God, do it. Can't you do it? No, God's saying, stand up. I want you to help me out here. I want you to taste victory for yourself because I've given victory into your hand. All right, so um, he over David overpowered him by the name of the Lord Almighty. You can overpower the devil tonight, this very instant, by saying, I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus Almighty, and the enemy's got to flee. The enemy's got to flee. All right, you overpower. You get the upper hand that way. Praise God. And then, of course, you strip the armor. You strip the armor off this, this demonic power, and that's when the demolishing of that stronghold comes down. The walls of Jericho fall down. The giant falls on his face before you. Can you imagine little tiny David? He's just a teenager. And that giant, he slings that stone. It hits the, sinks into his forehead. Instead of the giant falling back, he falls in front of you. Your giants are going to start falling down, face down in front of you face down in front of you there was a there was an idol in one of the stores in the old testament and um <laughs> the the idol fell down in the temple face forward broke off the hands and broke off the feet showing the might of god your idols can start falling down in front of you. your giants are going to start falling down in front of you if you will start declaring the name of jesus over your situations they're going to start being demolished. The strongholds are going to be demolished in your life. Your wildest dreams of being free are going to come true if you'll start fighting the way that we're talking, the spiritual victory that we're talking about. Uh, this, this stripping of the armor that we're going to get into a little bit more detail just for a few minutes here. Colossians 2.15, it says, uh, and having, this is Jesus, and having disarmed powers and principalities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the, by the cross. Your enemies are already defeated. All they have are lies to work with. And if you believe the lie, that's it for you. You're sunk. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Start believing the truth of God. As soon as you believe the truth of God, not trying to convince yourself, you genuinely Believe the truth of God, you will be free. You'll be instantaneously free from anxiety, from fear, from being overwhelmed all the time, from not knowing how to cope with life. All right, you're going to be free if you'll just believe the truth that God is whispering into your ear. All right, so let's let's come back to the strong man, this little uh, really a teaching that Jesus gives in Luke. Was it 11? Yeah, Luke 11. That same example is given in Mark 3.27, but it's interesting. It's a lot more abbreviated, and it gives a detail that's not back in Luke 11. Mark 3.27 says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house until first, uh, without first tying him up, tying him up before you attack, before you overpower, before you um, disarm him, you have to bind him. <laughs> you have to bind him. And David, David gives such an incredible uh, view of this. He goes to the giant, and before he swings, before he attacks, he talks to the giant. And I want you to listen to what he says there in 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 through 47. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with uh, sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you. I come against you. You need to start speaking to the enemy 
and not conversing with him, <laughs> declaring to him, announcing to him, speaking to him, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. What was David doing? He was already binding the enemy. It was the first step. Before he attacked, he bound. And, and when, when you say, well, what is binding? How do, you, how do you mean? What do you mean? What are you talking about binding? It's where you point your finger at the enemy and say, I, I prohibit. I declare you are prohibited in this place. That's literally what, when Jesus said, I've given the keys of the kingdom, whatever you bind on earth, it's, it's a simple declaration. I declare you prohibited. I declare that I already have victory over you. That's what David was doing. I'm declaring it in advance. I have, I have, uh, I'm victorious over depression right now. I declare it in the name of Jesus. Depression is bound in the name of Jesus. This addiction, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. You are bound. I declare you prohibited in my life. There's no more of you in my life anymore. You're binding the enemy before you attack the enemy. You're making a, a declaration. And what you're doing is you're saying, Addiction is bound in heaven, therefore it's bound in my life or in my brother's life, my sister's life, whoever I'm praying for. I'm declaring it in advance, and that's exactly what, what David did. All right, so let's just jump down. Don't worry. Uh, just a couple more thoughts here. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Man, isn't this good? I mean, isn't this powerful? I've been practicing this. I've been using this. It's been working it's been working. It's simple. It's straightforward. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. And so Jesus comes into the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asks his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus asked, but who do you say? How, who do you say I am? Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. In other words, wow, <laughs> you, you just made a powerful declaration of faith, of belief. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for you did not receive this, or this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. I will give you, or I, yeah, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind here on earth will have been bound in heaven. Many versions just say will be bound in heaven, but the whole point is God's already done certain things in heaven. He's just waiting for you to do the same thing here on earth. He says, been bound in heaven, go ahead and bind it on earth, and it will be bound. Point the finger here on earth, all right? It says, <clears throat> you will be bound here on earth. Whatever you loose here on earth will be, have loosed, have been loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anybody that he was the Messiah. So listen to this. How many of you want the keys to the kingdom so that you can start doing that? I do. <laughs> I do. Listen to these four things in these scriptures of what it takes for God to say, here's the keys of the king. Four things. This is just bless me beyond anything you can imagine. Number one, you need an ongoing revelation of who Jesus is. Fresh. Not something from 20 years ago. Not a miracle. You need last week, yesterday, 
I mean, recent revelation of who Jesus is. I mean, I, I was talking to Jesus, and he showed me X, Y, and Z, and I prayed, and he did this, and I read my Bible, and he showed me a fresh revelation of who Jesus is on a daily basis, maybe even hourly basis. You're plugged into Jesus, man, he's going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> you know what that's called? It's called relationship, where you're listening to him, you're talking to him, you're you're, you're opening your life up to, to have him be in your experiences that you, that you have. Your difficulties, you're saying, Jesus, come in. The things you don't understand, Jesus, come in. I don't understand this. Come in to help me understand this. Or if I don't understand it ever, I'm all right with it. I just want you, Jesus. All right? I'm not going to keep Jesus out of the, my human experience. All right? You have to have an ongoing revelation that's close, it's vibrant, lifelong, that you are in God's love. Listen to this. I say this, and I'll say it a million more times because it's changed my life. I'm going to throw myself into the ocean of God's love, and I'm never getting out again. Nobody's going to coax me out. No temptation is going to get me out. No trouble is going to pull me out. I am going to drown in the love of God, period. I'm not going to brag about how much I love God. I'm going to brag about how much he loves me. That's what I'm going to brag about. The love of God, a fresh revelation of God. All my doubts set aside, all my fears set aside. It's me and God. I love getting alone with Jesus. I love it, man. It's wonderful, those close, intimate minutes, hours, days with Jesus. Waking up in the middle of the night. How many of you have insomnia ever? Can't go to sleep at night? Use your time, like David said, throughout the watches of the night. Just talking to the Lord, just being in his presence, man, undistracted, saying, God, I'm going to be tired tomorrow. I don't care. I'm just here with you right now. I've had the richest times when I can't sleep, richest times with Jesus, man, incredible, incredible times. You need a fresh revelation of Jesus, who Jesus is, so that you can confidently say, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. All right, that's number one. Here's number two, though. Jesus says, Peter, you are blessed. <laughs> you are blessed. You know what we as Christians need to stop, stop, stop doing? Stop saying, I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. Cut it out. If God says you're blessed, then receive the blessing of God. Daniel was said, the angel said, you're highly esteemed, Daniel. Did you hear Daniel say, I don't deserve it? No, he said, I'm listening up. What do you have to tell me? All right? You're highly esteemed of God. Let me tell you what. They're talking about you in heaven. They know your name. And I used this a couple of Sundays ago. But if you're working in a company, you find out that the higher-ups in the company know who you are, you'd be feeling pretty good about yourself. They know who I am. They know what I do. They know what I've accomplished, all right? They know you in heaven. <laughs> God knows you. They talk about you in heaven. They're impressed with you in heaven. You are blessed. Start walking around like a child of God. Start walking around the grace and the favor of God. If you want the keys to the kingdom, you need to start walking that way. You're of, no, you're of noble birth. Stop trying to earn your salvation. God has already given it to you. He's already called you righteous. Receive his righteousness in your life, and you will be righteous. 
you will be righteous. Stop having such shame. You know, in, in Josh, uh, yeah, Joshua 5 or 6, it says that God rolled back the reproach of Egypt. Start letting him roll back the shame. When you look in your past, just see Jesus. All you see is his mercy back there. Don't look back and see what you did. He's forgotten about it. Why can't you forget about it? He's forgiven you. Why can't you forgive yourself? Amen? Start receiving the grace of God in your life. Be blessed. Act blessed. Hold your head up high and be a child of God. You can't have the keys to the kingdom of heaven until you start living that way. You say, I don't have any authority in my life. That's why, right there. <laughs> That's why. So let me tell you something. Let me challenge you. Cut it out. <laughs> Cut it out. Quit walking around like a pauper when you're a child of the king. He's adopted you into his family. Number two, number three, excuse me. Jesus says, you are Peter. And on this church, excuse me, on this rock, because his name meant rock, I'm going to build my church. And many people say, well, it was on the statement. Yes, true. But it was also on the apostle Peter. All right? It was also on him. You know why? Because he, was, he had a fresh revelation of who Jesus was. But you know what God, you know what Jesus was telling him? He says, you're chosen, Peter. I've chosen you. And it's mind-boggling. I can't comprehend the sovereignty of God. But you know what? He's chosen you. He's chosen. He picked you out of a crowd. And he said, I'm picking you. And you know what? You need to start walking around like a chosen man or woman of God. God picked you. He has appointed you. I was, <laughs> I was in this position at work several years ago. I was totally incapable. I was, <laughs> I was not prepared. I didn't have the experience for it. And I kept telling God, I can't do this. I mean, I'm just not good about it. The people that reported to me were way better than I was. And I just felt always low down on myself. And you know what? After about several months of that, I, re I remember the Lord telling me, I've appointed you, though. I didn't appoint them. I appointed you. All right? God's picked you whether you're capable or not, whether you're talented or not, whether you're smart or not, whether you're rich or poor. God has picked you, and you need to start walking around in God's choosing and his appointment. Say, you know what? No one's going to shake me off of my game because God has picked me. So you're not going to have the keys of the kingdom until you start acknowledging, I've been chosen of God. You're not going to have the authority of God in your life until you say, I'm chosen of God. That has been transformational. I look in the mirror, I see this ball man, you know, 50 some odd years, you know. I look at that guy and I say, you're chosen. <laughs> God picked you, man. Smile, chin up. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you, you know. Stay in touch with him. Number four, he says, the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, we're going in. <laughs> It's not the gates of hell coming over on us. No, you go to the gates of hell because you went to the gates of hell. You were offensive, not defensive. And Christians do this all the time. I've done it half my life, always on the defense, always protecting. And God's saying, you know, throw off the gloves and go out, go in, go down, go fight. There's nothing to lose. Just go, 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 go. Be aggressive, spiritually aggressive. I'm not talking about being obnoxious but spiritually aggressive on our knees, praying that God will break open the gates of hell and that we can rescue, snatch people out, uh, as it says, as uh, wood out of the fire, <laughs> snatching a branch out of the fire. Go after people and save them. 
with God's help. Now, we don't, we don't save them. It's Jesus that saves them. But let's be God's hand, his feet, and be aggressive. Those four things, you're not going to have the keys of the kingdom until these four things are in place in your life. So work on these four things. Work on these four things, because then Jesus will say, here's the keys to the kingdom. I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. You'll be able to tread on, on uh, serpents, on scorpions. Nothing will harm you, that verse says. Nothing will harm you. Praise God. Don't worry, we're almost done here. He says to bind and to loose. Well, when you bind the strong man, you've loosed the person. <laughs> those walls of Jericho fell down. What was in there, those walls? The treasures that were taken and put in the treasury, in God's treasury. Souls. Those walls come down. Souls are coming out, freed, set free. Praise God. The treasure uh, that God wants comes right to him when those walls come down. You loose and you let you set people free. Praise God. Several other thoughts. <laughs> but one more. <laughs> I could go on and on about this. This stuff has blessed me so much. But loosing also means to get that which hinders out of the way. To get that which hinders out of the way. And it's exactly what Daniel did. He prayed 21 days until what was hindered got out of the way. I might be misinterpreting the scripture a little bit. He prayed 21 days and on the 24th day of that month, which leads me to believe that he prayed 21 days and three days later, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and gave him the the message that he was waiting to hear. All right, man, you break a fast. It may not happen right away, but it's coming, man. (laughs) You pray 21 days, God's going to answer your prayers, all right? He's going to remove what hinders. He's going to loose it. He's going to get it out of the way so that the word of God, the healing of God, the answer of God can come to you and be manifested in your life. All right, so what is this armor, this demonic power that needs to be demolished? All right, we talked about attacking we talked about overpowering and then we said strip off the armor what is what is this armor well from what i can tell it's our flesh (laughs) it's that that part of you that the enemy has access to 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 manipulate you and to get you to do things uh that that you shouldn't be doing and so there's there's probably more than just three but let me share three things that the enemy uses inside of you against you and this is the armor that needs to be stripped away from the enemy so he no longer has access to you. Look at this. Is you want, and I want, we want to make things happen for ourselves in our own strength. That's a lifelong battle. It's called pride. But you want to make it happen instead of letting God make it happen. You want to prove to everybody around you that you did it. That is the armor that needs to be stripped away so that the enemy has nothing to work for it with anymore. God wants you to acknowledge your weakness. <laughs> he wants you to acknowledge you and say, I'm just flat out weak, Lord God. I'm, I'm weak. And when you do that, you're stripping the armor of the enemy off of him, and he has nothing to work with in your life. D- does that make sense? All right, we all want to prove ourselves to ourselves, to others, even to God, and God's saying, I want to be the one that makes you strong. I don't want you to do it in your own strength. I don't want you to do it in your own strength, so stop. All right? As long as we hold on to that, the enemy has an impenetrable armor that you can't demolish that stronghold. Here's another bit of that armor is ambitious, vain desires. (laughs) 
Have you ever had an ambitious, vain desire? Might be to be famous, might be to be powerful, it might be to be popular, it could be to be rich, wealthy, whatever it is. You know what? We need that circumcision of the heart where that vanity, that desire is pulled away and the armor of the enemy is stripped off of him so that you can be free. Man, get rid of that vanity. I have it. I'm I'm talking about these three things because they're things that I deal with. I deal with this stuff, man. I want to do it myself, God. I want to prove that I can do it, God. And that is so ungodly. And that's an armor that the enemy uses against me. And once I say, God, not my will, but your will be done, the armor stripped off the enemy, and God is, God is setting me free. Praise God. So listen to this. You want to make things happen yourself, ambitious, vain desires, and the third one is animal, animal behavior. <laughs> Just base behavior, uh, you know, going after pleasure at any cost, doing just wild living. Um, uh, that's what addiction is. It's just going after what you want. It's going into the food pantry. Here's one that I deal with. Food pantry and just stuffing my mouth as quickly as I can, eating. It sounds funny, but that's base behavior. That's animal behavior, and it's unpleasing to God. I it was recently that way. I just eating like a pig, <laughs> eating like a pig. And you said, you know, I told God, I'm going to fast 21 days from sweets. I'm going to fast because I'm, some people are salty. Any salty people or sweet people? Which one are you? All right. Both. <laughs> I'm with you, man. All right. I'm a sweet person. And I said, God, I'm going to fast 21 days from sweets. And you know what? God broke something in me. It was really, really cool. He just broke something in me. That animal behavior that we all tend to have some way, somehow, when we get rid of that, that that armor is stripped away from the enemy, the walls come down, and God's victory comes into play, man. So I want Sarah and Tara, if you would come on up. We're going to worship.